0: This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome.
1: Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here with you in the studio with my wife, dealing with questions on anxiety, Brianne Fueling. Welcome back to the podcast. It's official. You are regularly the highest rated podcast guest that we have. So I just get the
0: best questions.
1: You're just a genius.
0: So today, the podcast is <laughs> brought to you by Awkward so, Silence. So what about?
1: It sounded sarcastic when I heard it. <laughs> 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 All right, so here, here's the deal: we preached the sermon on anxiety. Lots of questions have come in on it, and uh, yesterday, uh, I think yesterday's podcast really led into this well. W- one of the realities is that God. Um, God promises to provide, but that is a tricky statement. It's a very tricky statement. Because there are rhythms in this world that if you do them, it will work out. So, for example, any two people can have a healthy marriage. God can promise a healthy marriage to most anybody if they play by the rules. And it just takes one person in the marriage to do dumb things to make the marriage miserable, right? When does God promise that? Good marriage. No, no I'm not saying I'm just saying that God doesn't promise that. I'm just saying like God, God can promise that. that. Okay. I I want to repent what I said. Uh God I, I can I'm say like to you, God can the build
0: entire New Testament.
1: God can use any two people to build a healthy marriage. How's that? Okay. Right? I like that. I can do that. He doesn't say that, mm-hmm. but that's a that's true, right? Um so my point in that is that it just takes one person to like ruin that. But now, let's say there are just multiple layers to this, right? So let's say um that not only does uh, maybe a potential husband or wife make it difficult, but let's say the government comes in and uh, they arrest one of the partners unjustly, put him in jail. And, and how much harder is it to have a healthy marriage when there are all these external factors are affected? Right.
0: So like when you're under the oppression of like other people and you are reaping the consequences of other people's sin and their utter selfish and awfulness. Absolutely.
1: So in America, one of the one of the challenges of preaching in America is it's really easy to say, God will never, ever let you down. But the translation in people's mind is, I'll always have my current home. I'll mm. always have my current standard of living. I'll always have my toys. I'll always have my vacations. And the idea of downsizing feels like an abandonment um, by God. Let alone, let alone what actually people are experiencing kind of all over the world, whether under the oppression of ISIS or in African governments that are completely corrupt or in Venezuela or in Cuba or in North Korea, where these governments are super oppressive and people are dying from starvation. And what's hard is that there's a lack of training, there's a lack of knowledge, there's a lack of resources, there's an abundance of oppression, there's an abundance of war, and it makes it makes it really, really hard for the kid in Venezuela to find food. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Or or the kid in North Korea or the mother in North Korea who has Mm. multiple children to find enough resources to feed their children. So what's hard about this is that the person asking this question has understandable anxiety like, okay, you tell me, preacher man— that God will always provide for me. And I tried to be nuanced in the sermon, but so when somebody starves to death, did God not keep His promise? I mean, where do you where do you even begin to answer this?
0: I don't totally know where you begin to answer this because this is a big question that does not have an answer that comes in a package with a boat. And so I think there's just a lot of thoughts that go into this, and um, I think one of the things that we see continually come about from both the New Testament and then the period right after the New Testament was written when we saw so many of the people who fought for the sake of the gospel lose their lives in very violent ways in the early church history. That's a great example, I think, of a lot of these promises being lived out because we see that actually for the very people speaking so many of these truths, life was not skipping through a field of daisies with butterflies flying all around you, eating whatever you wanted to. It was actually very gruesome and hard and um, taxing. I think one of the biggest things I continually come back to, I think also because the verse that I often anchor a lot of my ministry in is John 10.10, for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life abundant. I think a lot of times that abundant life concept can so easily be taken out of context to be able to say um, that we should all be driving amazing cars and living in amazing houses and eating amazing food. Um, But at the same time, that's not all what Jesus is talking about there. And a lot of times it's not at all in what his provision looks like also. And I think a lot of times the hand of the Lord's provision looks very different than we what we would tangibly expect it to look like. And oftentimes it looks like giving us more of himself and his grace in those moments than always showing up in the tangible way that maybe we thought would be the easiest and the mm-hmm. nicest and taste the best and fill our tummies and clothe our bodies and put a roof over our head.
1: Which are just prosperity lies creeping into… Into the evangelical church, this idea that if you come to Christ, your life will should be easier, should be happier, should be better, you'll get more money. Like, it's interesting because a lot of evangelicals buy into the prosperity gospel and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And the way they know that is when God asks them or requires them through circumstances to downsize, they get angry at him and feel betrayed right. that he didn't somehow remain faithful to them.
0: Right. So, But, but what the Lord does do when, when he enters into our life and takes over our heart is that he offers us joy— He offers us peace in the midst of craziness. He offers us um, all sorts of different ways to be able to see him work in these situations. Mm. And he offers us and provides for us and gives us provision for the very things that the core and our souls deeply long for, even if sometimes if our hands are left empty. And so I think that this is extremely hard, sensitive awful question to have to answer. So what about Christians who starve to death and the myriad of other ways that Christians can suffer um, when it feels like God didn't keep his promise to show up and provide? But I think um, what you began to talk about earlier, Michael, is just the fact that honestly, the foolishness of man and the greed and the selfishness and the hatred and the pride and the laziness and the hoarding and cruelty and all these awful sins that contribute to world hunger There's oppression. There are consequences of those sins into the lives of many, many, many people. And right now we live in a world where so much, like you said, leadership has just been ruled by that selfishness and callousness and pride and all sorts of other miserable sins that absolutely have a devastating, disgusting, horrifying effect on the people that they are somehow leading. Yep.
1: It's interesting because the just recently a uh, North Korean soldier fled. Uh, he got shot five or six times on the way out, fleeing to South Korea. And uh, they found multiple parasites in his body, malnourished, uh, multiple issues. Just the guy was a complete physical train wreck. And this is the army of North Korea right. under the oppression of Voldemort. He who shall not be named. But like, it, it's unbelievable that millions and millions and tens of millions of people can be suffering in under this regime. And one of the questions that I think is assumed here is like, God, you're good. Why do you let it happen? Uh, really the, the reality of evil is sufficient reason for angry people who are frustrated with God to say, you're untrustworthy. Look over here, look over here. If you were trustworthy, you would meet my expectations and resolve these things. And yet, from the very beginning, from Cain killing Abel, God has not stopped it.
0: And I think when you look at that, remember all these questions have that root back to anxiety, right? So when we look at that, I think it's easy for us not to be able to be like, well, why? what's from keeping that from happening for us? Or whatever it may be, but that some kind of circumstance would enter our, our lives, that we would be a, the recipient of someone else's awful choices. Mm-hmm. That someone else's awful choices would affect us and that we would have to bear the burden of what that looks like. And that does, that happens in the world around us, even in America on other different levels yep. all the time. Mm. There is a huge movement right now, and just looking at the sexual mistreatment of so many women by so many people in power. And that's a great example of what that looks like in the mistreatment, being underneath the sin and the consequences of other people. So, what is it that keeps us from our anxiety rising? When we are able to look at life and know that we can't control these things, that even though if we make good choices and we seek to please the Lord, that we still oftentimes live under the consequences of the sin of other people. Does God not keep his promise in those situations that somehow if we make all these right choices, we are guaranteed a Mm -hmm. right outcome or an easy outcome? And that is a very, very hard equation, I think, for our minds that want to know that if we make right choices, we won't have to suffer consequences.
1: And nowhere in Scripture does God promise life will be easy. In fact, it's really clear throughout Scripture that everybody um, will suffer under the weight of other people's poor decisions. There is a communal responsibility and accountability that we have to one another. And what's sad is tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people throughout history have been murdered or died because of these realities. And um, it's interesting because one of the one of the answers Scriptures give is, is that— Hey, when this is all said and done, this will be a very short period. This is a. The, it feels like everything right now, but it's very, very, very small in the grand scheme of things. It is interesting how Scripture kind of propels you to the eternal and says, when you look back at this, there'll be momentary sufferings. It'll be momentary. It'll be glimpses. It'll be, it'll mm-hmm. be here and gone. And and um, it, it is interesting how Scripture processes this, but uh, to the mind and the heart that is rebellious against God. Uh, that doesn't love God. It will find any reason to not be okay with the decisions God makes. And what's hard is is uh, when we when we see this stuff, we do have to get to a point where we say we trust you. We may not like how you do things, but we do trust you, and we do trust that it will work out. But here's the real I, I want to just I, I personally want to kill prosperity residue um, in people. What well, you should expect is that the sins of others will negatively affect your life, but they do not have to cause you to sin.
0: Right. And they don't need to cause you anxiety. And so what you just said, too, is bringing us back to the fact that even though we live in a world where we are under the consequences of other people's sins and of our own, we have an opportunity to be able to trust that God is still working in those details as gruesome and awful as they might be. And that um, sometimes, pretty much every time, all the time, He's working for His glory, and He's still good. And that is such a hard concept. And we've seen the testimonies of so many people who have come out of even concentration camps in World War II and so many different other just awful, gruesome, disgusting, evil situations, able to declare the way that they saw the Lord show up and work for His glory. Mm -hmm. And that is our... Opportunity also is to trust in those circumstances and to see that in the midst of all of the discouraging evil that is all around us and the suffering in the world because of that, that we know that that is the forces of evil trying to um, distract people from knowing who God is and to take away our hope and to um, steal, kill, and destroy. But yet in the middle of everything, the Lord still shows up to offer us himself to be our rock in the middle of that, and to give us his peace, give Mm. us his joy, and so many other things in the midst of that. Okay, so what is our response to that hunger? What is that response? I think this is a whole nother podcast, but I feel like we just need to say it at the end here. When we see the evils of the world destroying other people, that is something that we are called to bring redemption to. Mm. So we never see anything in the world, and we— we never just turn it over to the hands of evil. Mm. And that goes for starvation and the problem of hunger also. And I do think that there's so many different nuances of evil in the way that it happens in the world. But one of our greatest joys is to know that we do not fear evil and we actually try to take ground back from evil for the purposes of the glory of God and to love on the people who are experiencing those consequences. And so in the case of starvation, I do think that that's one of the greatest prompts that we have is to know that God cares for those people. That is not his greatest desire for them to live under the weight of other people's sin and consequences, but that we have the opportunity um, to do everything we can to be involved in that, to alleviate that hunger. And even if it's caring for one person or 10 people in the midst of the, I think it was... 795 million people in the world that do not have enough food that will allow them to lead a healthy, active life from the Food Aid Foundation. That's our opportunity, I think, to be able to, yeah, to see what we can do to be able to love people through that and to be able to give them that food for their bodies so that we can also continue to love on their souls.
1: Mm-hmm. So, tomorrow, question is Can I take medication for my anxiety? all good Mm -hmm. all right see you tomorrow not tomorrow next time